This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. No more Mr. Nice Guy. For months, we downright marveled at the friendly, if not lovey-dovey attitude that Doug Ford took with the Trudeau government. Well, that ended yesterday with one of his famous rants. He was trashing the feds over failure to move on travelers coming into the country by plane. He said he would initiate the COVID tests at the airport himself if Ottawa didn't move on it. And he would move it to ride patrols outside the airport if the Greater Toronto Airport Authority didn't allow the province on the property. Well, personally, I think that's a bit of an empty threat, given that we cannot even test a lot of people who should reasonably be able to get those tests. The Liberal Health Minister, well, she said she was surprised by the outburst and that it's all under negotiation and has been for a while. So what do you think? Was he just trying to deflect from the fact that he ordered a lockdown that uh, didn't please a lot of people? On the one hand, medical authorities say it's uh, not soon enough, not enough, and business is unhappy saying it's going to put a whole lot of them under the water. Uh, was this just a good way to deflect? The numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. And now it's time to go to our crack strategy panel. I'd like to welcome Charles Bird, Managing Director Managing Principal of Earnscliff Strategy Group in Toronto, Karen Stint, CEO of Variety Village, and John Capobianco, Senior Vice President and Senior Partner, Fleischman Hillard High Road. Let's begin with John. Hi, everyone. Hello. Hi, Libby. Go ahead, John. So what do you think of the uh, famous Ford rant? Well, look, I, I think that it's it's obvious, and, and we've seen it throughout the pandemic, the Premier is always uh, been emotional. His 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 um, his comments have always been heartfelt, and and he is one to wear his emotions on his sleeves. We've seen that in, in in good times. We've seen it in bad times, and certainly in the most challenging time of this pandemic, it's no different. Uh, and I think by and large, this premier has been absolutely fair. Uh, and, and in some cases, even his own team sometimes criticize him for being a bit too fair and too gentle with the, with the federal government. But I think it's worked well. Uh, during the pandemic, because whenever there's been issues, uh, it was important for the prime minister and the premier of the largest province in Canada to work well together. And, and by and large, they have. And, and notwithstanding, I think, this, this latest rant, I think they still do uh, have a mutual respect and, and, uh, and, and admiration for, for the work that they've been doing during the pandemic. And I think that, that will continue. With respect to, the, to the, the, the premier's rant, specifically regarding the airport and travelers, Listen, this has always been an issue with the federal liberals. They've always had, and there's been some criticism, and, I, and, I, and I've always given the prime minister uh, his due credit when, when deserved. But when it comes to allowing international travelers into Canada, that's always been a head-scratcher for a lot of people. You know, there, there's, there's always been flights coming in to, uh, to Pearson and other airports in Canada 
when everything else was locked down. And I know that there was some, you know, there was a, a sense of only essential services and essential business was able to do that. But there were people that were going on vacation. Everybody heard, everybody had a family or a friend member who came back and said, I was at the airport and there was a people, a train load of folks coming in from the tropics. And, the, you know, and so that was always a bewilderment of why he kept doing that. And this is no different, given the fact that we've got this mutant strain now in the UK. Uh, and, and, you know, so he, then the prime minister did shut down the airport for, for UK travelers, but the international travelers is still an issue and the GTAA still has to continue to ensure that their testing is beyond just, you know, making sure people have a, have their temperature checked when they leave, when they leave the airport and there's no tracking after that. Charles, uh, was he just deflecting according to the numbers, uh, the people coming in through the airport are not a huge source of the infection. It's in the community. Yeah, that's right. I mean, first off, it's mostly Canadians that are on those flights, and uh, whether for good reasons or not, as John points out. And yes, the Premier was deflecting, and the Premier was angry, and the Premier was conflating the new strain of the virus that has emerged in the UK with uh, lack of testing at airports, when in fact, the federal Liberals have put in place a 72-hour uh, prohibition on flights from the UK. I won't be shocked if that's extended just until we have more details around what this new virus is all about or what this new variant of the virus is all about. It appears to be um, not more dangerous, but a lot more transmissible. So that's of concern. So if, if you know, obviously, as John put it eloquently, uh, the Premier went on a bit of a rant yesterday. If the federal Liberals are smart, they will just let it slide because uh, Doug Ford has been a very important ally in the fight against COVID. He's maintained um, a moderate science-based approach, often in the face of enormous pressure from his members of his cabinet, members of his caucus, members of his party, members of the right wing who think we should just let this thing run rampant and develop herd immunity very much in the uh, tradition of you-know-who down south. <laughs> oh, <laughs> mention it. Come on, Charles. Say his name. <laughs> the 45th president. We know United you States. want to. <laughs> uh, Karen, what's your view? Now, on the one hand, the premier is right that these people are supposed to self-isolate when they come in, and a lot of them just don't. And I yeah. have... I have I'm to say, sympathetic to the what? premier. I absolutely agree with the position that they sh- they should shut down international flights for the next fourteen days. No questions asked. Period. End of story. Because if the federal health minister has the audacity to say, "Oh, it's only about one percent of travelers that are coming in with COVID," it's only about one percent of COVID cases that are transmitted through small business. And so, if you're going to shut down small retailers, you better well shut down the international flights. And so I am extremely sympathetic to the rant. And I think, you know, to small businesses that have been forced to shut their doors during the busiest season of the year and, you know, pivot to online shopping, which is virtually impossible for some of the retailers on the main streets, to them having to know that there's cases coming in every day, planes traveling from Asia and Europe and now the UK, and that they are watching their businesses crumble and the government's not even imposing an international flight ban. I think the rant was completely well-founded. I, I, I hear you. I, I just wanted to bring up a, another. This is completely anecdotal about people not quarantining. So I thought it was really hard to get driving, to get through the border, even if you're a Canadian. It's only crucial travel. So uh, 
the the other week, my husband's taking a walk. He sees a neighbor of ours with a young man that uh, we would have recognized when he was 10 years old, but it was a young man. Uh, it was uh, our neighbor's son who had come from California. He had driven and he said, oh, yeah, no problem getting through. And, and he wasn't quarantining. They were out having a walk. And he said, hey, and, and driving through the border the other way, even easier. Well, yeah. you know what? Let, let me tell you another anecdote. Let me tell you a story. Uh, one of my neighbors here uh, who has a friend who uh, I think a couple of months ago, so it was during the, during the, 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 the height of the pandemic and, and whatnot, Went, went to drive across the border to go to their place in Florida. So instead of flying, obviously, they, they wanted to drive. Got to the border. The border, uh, the U.S. border police basically said to them, you know, where are you going? Oh, we're going to our place uh, in Florida because there's been a pipe burst. Uh, and we have to go there because we're worried that it's going to get flooded. Uh, so border police let them through. On the, on, the, uh, on the way, they went to Florida. The next day, they got a knock on the door from the local sheriff's office. And said, I understand that you had a pipe burst in your place here. Can I? Can we inspect it, please? Uh, <laughs> only, to, only to find out that it was not the case. Uh, they were fined. They lost their nexus uh, privileges. And they were sent back. So, you know, there are cases where, you know, people are, you know, trying to get Hooray. through the border. <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, the, the problem with that border is that everything is at the discretion of whatever border guard you happen to encounter. <laughs> well... Yeah, but there's a, that's a story of you know an anecdote where there is there is some some checking that's going on. With it did my to heart good, advice. John. What's that? <laughs> What's that? Am I being mean? <laughs> well, no, because I, I think maybe the point is is that there's um, there seems to be this picking and choosing of which businesses can stay open and which ones can close. And when you're part of the general public just trying to you know stop the spread of COVID, it's like okay, I guess. But when you're actually running those businesses. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense that Costco would be allowed to stay open, that Walmart can stay open, that Mark's Work Warehouse can stay open, that Best Buy can stay open. I and agree. yet uh, all of the retailers, because they, you know, for some reason, they, they, they don't declare essential. Meanwhile, all of the assembly lines stay open, all the meat processing factories are open, with workplaces where we know that there is spread continue to stay open. And it's just for people that are being impacted by it, it's so hard to reconcile. Even if you want to stop the spread and you're committed to stopping the spread, there's a logic gap for people. And well, I, 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 to I agree with you. And I think that's one of the biggest problems with, with people not following the rules is that the rules really don't make, they don't that. make sense. Yeah. And, and the other thing I want to get to on the premier's rant, you know, Really? You're going to test 64,000 people at the airport? You can't test your own population here in Ontario. I, um, I mean, some of the rules on who can get a test, it's not easy to get a test, are, you know, in my opinion, ridiculous. If a kid gets exposed in school or if somebody gets exposed at work, so this kid has to self-isolate. But his brothers and sisters that he might share a room with, no, they don't have to unless and until he tests positive. The kid's parents can go to work unless and until he gets test positive. So what are you talking about? Well, so and on Young Street, and then I'll turn it over to the panel, but just down the street from me in one of the empty storefronts, what popped up? Private COVID testing sites. $185. You can go in and get your COVID test. No questions asked. 
Okay. Yeah. No, I've seen a, a number of them, and uh, some of them seem great. Some of them seem a little fly by night. <laughs> honestly, honestly, yeah. there was one I was trying to do some research on it. Uh, I'll give the name FH Health. You cannot find uh, a CEO name or any kind of phone number or anything for that. So I don't know. $185, go get a test, be told they're fine, and then go out and see their family. Well, yeah, except I think that uh, if you're running something like a clinic, you know, there yeah. should be some accountability, right? Yep. And and the, they're all changing addresses. It's it's um, uh, it's something I'm researching. And uh, I don't know. I mean... Uh, but the you, sooner we can get rapid tests, the sooner people can feel as if they can carry on with certain things. Well, and it's... For 28 days, I just can't imagine how the impact it's going to have on the retailers. Well, and yeah. $10,000 grant is nothing. It won't even pay the hydro bill. Although, uh, Libby, I will say my wife had a COVID test last week at Toronto Western Hospital. Okay. Uh, and was in and out in under 15 minutes. Described right. it as flawless and totally professional. I hope I haven't put Toronto Western Hospital on the spot. But, but uh, and, and, and um, how long did it take to get the result? She had the results within hours. Really, oh, but but all she good. obviously all, all good. Yeah, all good. Oh, we're glad to hear that. Yeah, but yeah, but the other thing is that you have to have been designated as a contact by public health, or you won't get the test. Yeah, to tell you the truth, I don't know the specifics, except that she was uh, feeling a bit under the weather, and given that we have two small children at home, we thought uh, best to be safe and uh, got it done. Well, yeah, that's great. If you if you quote have symptoms, uh, but the situation I described, you're not considered a contact. You're not getting the test. Yeah, and to think, sixty four thousand people come through the airport every day. Yeah, yeah. They, <clears throat> our province, uh, threats aside, cannot test those people. We don't no. have the the wherewithal to do it. And I would just say Toronto Pearson is doing a fantastic job because, you know, it is a really, really difficult logistical exercise in the best of times to bring through as many people as they bring through. Like in a normal year, they're doing around 35 million passengers in a year. And the trick is not getting the planes in and out. That's relatively easy. The trick is getting the bodies in and out at the terminal and then throw a pandemic, throw the coronavirus into that mix. And it's really, really hard. And they are doing an amazing job in terms of the distancing provisions they have in place, in terms of staggering flights. But, you know, and Dr. Fauci was saying this yesterday in relation to the UK situation. Dr. Fauci himself was saying that international travel by by plane is really not an issue. The science just doesn't say that it's a huge problem. I hear Karen... 100% 100% on the enormous frustration that's faced by small business. The federal government has done its level best to try to alleviate a lot of that burden. It's not help. It's not saving everyone. There's a massive economic dislocation. But the reality is that, you know, in the midst of a pandemic of this nature, uh, we just have to follow the science. And, you know, obviously the big story today is the fact that the premier's announcement of um, the extent of the of the lockdown province wide for two weeks in northern Ontario and for northern Ontario and four weeks in southern Ontario is that we're waiting until December 26 to put this in. And I think this is indicative of the kind of terrible pressure he's under, wanting to balance the safety of Ontarians with 
you know, economic realities that the Christmas season or the holiday season is so incredibly vital to uh, to retailers. Uh, and so it's, no one envies the position he's in. Yeah, that's a that's a a, a nice sympathetic take. Uh, John, do you agree that this measure it's kind of one of those doesn't really please anyone? I always agree with Charles when he's sympathetic to my premier. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> but uh, no, look, all kidding aside, um, there's no there's no question, you know, that that you're seeing the strain and the challenges that he's been facing over the last little while. I think that you know, and, and he's getting criticized, you know, as you say, because he's not shutting down today or yesterday when he made the announcement, but he's shutting down on, on, on um, Boxing Day. And I think that, you know, his explanation and those of his committee to say that, look, we have to give restaurants and, and business owners and the public, quite frankly, some days to be able to get adjusted to this. You just can't announce it and say, as of today, at one o'clock, we're shutting everything down and expect businesses and, and shoppers and, and residences to be able to, to go about and do their things normally when, when, when of course, it's, it's over the holiday season as well. So there has to be some level of, of understanding from that perspective. He's always been able to say, and he's done it consistently, where he's made announcements on lockdowns on a Friday uh, and has given at least a weekend uh, for, for businesses and for folks to get to, to get adjusted to it. So the four-day period is no different than what he's done in the past to, to give that, that, extra, that extra time. But, you know, and he's also giving some money where he can uh, to, to the businesses that might be affected by it. He's not going to make everybody happy. No, no political leader is during this time. But I think he's trying to do the best that he can balancing the health professionals and the health advice he's getting. Uh, as well as making sure that there is some economic viability so that when we come into 2021, there's still some businesses that are still able to survive. Well, yeah, but the question is, doing it half measures, uh, is that really going to do the job, Karen? I mean, uh, do you feel that he's, on the one hand, not locking down hard enough if you're going to lock down and then, uh, you know... uh, Uh, 100%, Libby. I I think that um, you can say follow the experts, but Toronto Public Health, by its own admission, says it doesn't know where the spread is coming from because they, they don't, they can't keep track. They don't have the tracing. They've stopped tracing, so they don't know. So they said, "We'll just shut down the restaurants and retail because we think that's where crowds gather." Okay, but but that's not that's not science. It's really not. And so, if if you're going to really say, "Well, anywhere that crowds gather," then why wouldn't you why wouldn't you shut down the airport? Why wouldn't you shut down um, factories that have over ten people working in it? Why would you? Like, why are you picking and choosing the places where you think crowds are going to go? Because we need toilet paper, Karen. Yeah, but, <laughs> but if you're going to like, but if you're going to do a hard lockdown and you really want to stop the spread, then then it has to be a little bit more strategic and it has to be impactful. And well, I think shutting down local retail on Main Street while letting lineups around the block in Walmart—I I don't know that that makes any sense. I, I think, Libby, and, and, and you know, Karen is right in a, in a large part of this, but I think that there's also the issue of, of supply chain. Like, it's, it's yeah. one thing to say that you want to, you know, you want to support local businesses, sure, but local business can't supply thousands upon thousands of toilet paper and, and other supplies to uh, to residents. So you do need the big stores to offset some of the, so you don't get everybody going to a Sobeys or a Metro. But, and I think what he's done now by limiting the spaces within some of these box stores, so that's only the essential services and not everybody else, is a compromise and is a way to say, look, we have to keep our supply chain going here. We can't just stop it and allow for local businesses who can't actually supply the population on this. So there's got to be that balance, and that's where the tricky part is. 
Yeah. Now, the the other thing is, okay, the opposition has criticized the government, of course, that's their job. But uh, the one thing, I mean, they, they keep bringing in bits of measures to help people get through this. I don't understand why there is no mandatory sick pay for essential workers. We still have a situation where people who work in those plants, who are supplying our food, who are doing transportation, well, a lot of them are afraid to call in sick because they won't be paid. Who's taking that? Well, I'm happy to jump in on that, Labine. I think, and I think that's where some of the some of the the, the, the criticism to the to the grocers and others um, come in with respect to you know early on in the pandemic when when everybody was was just panicking and and, and worried, uh, including the workers at, at the grocery stores and other places that are essential. Uh, I thought it was smart for them to sort of give them the, the, what they call the hero pay or the danger pay or, or whatever you want to call it. Um, I thought they lost a lot of credibility when when the pandemic sort of you know ceased or at least eased a bit, uh, and they uh, and they sort of you know let go of the of the of the hope or the hero pay. Uh, but I think all of them have now come back and reissued them. So you know I think it's it's public sentiment as well as political pressure. Uh, you're seeing an action here with respect to some of this uh, some of these things that are happening. Yeah, but two bucks an hour isn't going to pay for anybody who has to stay home for two weeks, Charles. No, I mean, that's exactly right. And it goes to a larger societal issue, which is the growing gap between the haves and the have-nots. And that's exacerbated in terms of folks in urban versus rural settings. Um, and it is, in, notwithstanding, you know, the pandemic and climate change and Black Lives Matter and the huge number of issues that we've seen come to the fore in 2020, I mean, that is the political issue of our time which is the fact that it's just getting harder and harder for ordinary folks to to not only get ahead, but to make ends meet. And you're seeing that clearly indicated in terms of the folks that are putting themselves out there every day in a very public way. I mean, it's, it, you know, it's the folks who are keeping the TTC going. It's the folks who are... Well, the TTC, you know, I'm sure, has paid sick leave. Well, it's the folks that are stocking the shelves. It's, it's basically yeah. a, you know, a disproportionate number of female workers it's a disproportionate number of um, people of color. And, and these are the folks that are keeping the supply chains going. These are the folks that are keeping us you know, safe in our homes and, and relatively secure, those of us that can work from home, and that's not everybody. And it, so at some point, there, there will have to be a record. There will have to be some serious discussion of basic income. You know, I think we were on the cusp of that federally, just prior to the throne speech, I think the federal government was having a very, very hard look at what it might do in this area. But of course, COVID was roaring back with the second wave, and I, so I that, don't see that why you need immediate priority. I don't see why you need to talk about basic income, which is a huge change, to give people some paid sick days, Karen. Well, and it's mainly, it's, I, I think it's mainly. I don't know this for a fact, but it's mainly part-time workers who aren't eligible for the paid sick leave because most full-time employees do have paid sick leave at least three days because that's the current law. Um, but when it comes to part-timers, that's where things become a little bit more a- ambiguous. And then employers can have some um, more discretion of whether they have paid sick leave for part-timers. And so that's the issue is that, again, a lot of the industries that we've been talking about, which is in the grocery stores, in personal care, personal support, are staffed by part-time workers. And that they 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 have to do two jobs or three jobs to make ends meet. So it's all symptomatic of, of a larger societal issue. 
that, again, is, is it's easy to say paid sick leave, but it's really about part-time work. Yeah, but yeah, it's, it's also... About fairness. Even it's about e- fairness. It's about yeah. fairness, but but again, yeah. even if you have three days of paid sick leave, if you're worried about paying your rent or buying groceries, and you have to be out for two weeks, uh, there's a gap there. Yeah, most of those yep. people don't have savings. So um, we are heading into Christmas. We've got a few minutes left. Let's talk about something pleasant. <laughs> Who wants to take that, Charles? <laughs> oh well, my daughter. Ava, at the ripe old age of 12, qualified for the provincial figure skating championships wow, uh, earlier wow. this year. So that was, of course, it got canceled, but she still got the, <laughs> the jacket out of it. And then my nine-year-old son got suspended from a game for a game from his hockey team for drilling a guy in the post-game lineup. So uh, <laughs> no. I'm just one proud papa, let me tell you. That's 2022. <laughs> On both ends of the extreme, eh, Charles? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, I would say that um, certainly, you know, this past year has been difficult for Variety Village and the Children's Charity, but our sponsors have stepped up in a way that's been remarkable, um, and so has the community. So we've had an unprecedented level of giving this year for our charity and for kids with disabilities. So wow, I think that's Karen, good news. I have to tell you that coming up uh, after I wrap the panel today, I'm going to be talking about charitable giving and, uh, you know, a third of Canadians at least plan to give less this year because of the pandemic. Yeah. And only half of Canadians compared to two thirds will be giving at all. So, yeah. um, wow, We've congratulations to you. very lucky. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah, John and I would both want to say Karen Stintz is our hero. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and nobody has had a time, like she's had a hard, hard time in 2020, and she conducted herself with grace and poise and, and super courage. And so here's to Karen. Here's yeah. to Karen and, and done her best. And, Thanks, and my God, God, I, I'm just bowled over by that. And I'm so happy to hear that, Karen. Thank you. Yes. Well, Thank that you. and all the, the challenges she went to go visit her dad and oh. the testing and the waiting and stuff. So, yes, no, I, I echo uh, Charles' sentiments completely. <laughs> but uh, but but I think like like everyone, I think it's, it's just going to be an important time for everyone just to unplug, uh, you know, for those who have been working from home and, and those, uh, especially the, the, the workers who have been sort of providing all the essential services, uh, if they can take a couple of days and just relax, reflect and, and, and take it easy. I think we're all hopeful for a, a, a more, you know, better 2021 uh given the fact that we're seeing some vaccines being dispensed already now and and throughout the uh, holidays and over the new year so i think everyone's looking forward to the break and unplugging and into a better 2021 maybe okay well i'm hoping to unplug for a few days too it's 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 this irony the people who've been stuck at home all the time like really want to get out and uh, those of us who haven't been are, are looking forward to a few days at home uh, but, uh, you know, I'd like to quote my brother Moses, uh, and uh, his favorite saying is, the best way to keep going is to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so let's keep going. <laughs> let's keep going, and uh, really a very, very Merry Christmas to all three of you. Uh, next week you'll be talking to Jane Brown, and uh, I will be talking to you very shortly in the new year. Wonderful. Okay. Happy All the best, Libby, to you and Charles and Karen to you as well. Absolutely. You're here. Here, right here. Back at you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. 
Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.